Hi, welcome to Healthy Wealthy Roots, a podcast about financial wellness, mental health, and parenthood. We all know that we're supposed to have a good work-life balance. We all know that we're supposed to engage in self-care. We all know that we're not supposed to stretch ourselves too thin at work. We know that stuff, right? But that is often easier said than done, especially for people who have to work multiple jobs or who have serious demands at home that get in the way of their ability to work, whatever the case might be. The reason why I wanted to make this episode is because of a news article that came out last week that was really disturbing to me. The World Health Organization released statistics that said that uh, working long hours is killing hundreds of thousands of people every year. And they went on to say that people who work for more than 55 hours a week are 35% more likely to have a stroke and 17% more likely to die from heart disease compared to other people who worked the standard 35 to 40 hours a week. And what I did was I then asked myself, well, how how many hours are people working? And the Bureau of Labor Statistics, their most recent stats were from 2019. So I don't know what the pandemic stats are going to look like yet, but that will be interesting. Um, and they said that for full-time workers, the average working on a weekday is eight and a half hours And if they work on a weekend or a holiday, that is five and a half hours. So if if they only work in a week, that is 42 hours a week. And um, that means that there are serious health implications for having very long hours of work. Okay, so we know that. What do we do with that information? Well, the way that I think about this topic, I think about it like a seesaw. I mentioned that in the preview for the episode last week. If you think about all of the aspects of your life, all of the things that you want to do and have to do, If you think about how to balance that, it's not going to always look the same because your life looks different from day to day, month to month, right? You may have a certain project at work that requires your attention because there is a deadline. And so more of your resources will go towards that project And that will take away from your time somewhere else. Think about it this way. We have 24 hours in a day. And we have to figure out 
how best to manage that time. And that's really it. You are the manager of your life. So think about it like a store or a restaurant, whatever the case might be, or even like your business. You are in charge. You're the manager. And you're going to tell yourself how you spend your time, what you do with your time. And the thing about managers, the manager won't just tell you one time and then disappear for forever. (laughs) Can you imagine what would happen? You have to keep checking in with yourself and making sure that you're following along with the plan, readjusting the plan as necessary. I really like how the Harvard Business Review described it. They say that work-life balance is a cycle. It's not an achievement. So it's not like you figure it out, figure out how to divide up your 24 hours and then say, hooray, I'm done. And then you get a trophy. That's not how it works. It's a cycle. And as life changes, as things change in your life, so too will what that balance looks like, right? So the Harvard Business Review, they actually um, did their own research about this. And they say that the work-life balance isn't a one-time fix, but rather a cycle that we must engage in continuously as our circumstances and priorities evolve. This is a regular ongoing thing. On this podcast, I talk about financial health and mental health, and those are also cycles. You don't just fix things one day and then you're done. Life happens, life will continue to happen for as long as we're alive. And they require adjustments. And the same thing with work-life balance. The Harvard Business Review, when they were studying work-life balance and how best to go about it, they recommended five steps. So let me break down what these steps look like. Step one from them is to pause and denormalize. So what that means is just pause today and think about all of the things that are on your plate, your family life, your friends, um, your own personal needs, as well as what's going on for you with work, if you are working, if you're in school, whatever the case might be. Think about all of those things. And what they say is to ask yourself questions like, what am I prioritizing? What am I sacrificing? Because remember what I said, we only have so many resources. So if we're pouring into one thing, that means that something else is being neglected or put on the back burner. Also asking, what's causing me stress right now? What's causing me unhappiness? And denormalizing means, okay, this is not okay with me. I need to make a change. 
step two for them is to pay attention to your emotions. And the thing is, when we're in our day-to-day life and we're just kind of going through the motions, doing what we need to do, we often neglect checking in on how we feel. And on another note, a lot of people are not comfortable with recognizing and labeling their emotions. And so they may not even know what they feel. If that is the case, then I would challenge you to pay attention this week to just pause and be like, what am I feeling right now? What is that? What what word can I put to this experience? Am I hungry? That's not an emotion. (laughs) Am I feeling guilty? There you go. Once you say feeling, then you think about it. Hunger is a physical sensation. Guilty is an emotional experience. So paying attention to the ways that you're feeling. If you're feeling guilty, you you might be like, well, why am I feeling guilty? And then that might lead you to think about, oh, well, my parents asked me if I was going to be able to do X, Y, Z for them, but I can't do that because I have ABC on my plate. Oh, that's why I feel guilty. Okay, how can I reprioritize to make things happen? That's the importance of being able to recognize how you're feeling. If you're feeling happy, then that's an indicator that you're doing the right things. Keep doing it. If you're feeling angry or feeling irritable, that might be an indicator that you're not pleased with how things are going and you really do need to pay attention to it. Step three for them is reprioritizing. So we talked about what that could look like. And step four is considering alternatives. So what they say is reflect on the aspects of your work and life that could be different in order to better align with your priorities. For instance, say you have a work project and there's a lot that's being asked of you for this project. But on the flip side, in your personal life, you also have significant demands being placed on you. Maybe asking if you could get help with the project so that you can realign your priorities. And the fifth step is implementing the changes. And remember, it's a cycle. So what happens with a cycle once you get to the last step, then you start all over again. And so you're regularly pausing and checking in with yourself and checking in on how you're feeling and figuring out what your priorities are at any given moment in time and then making changes and reprioritizing and checking in and on and on and on and on. Because the thing is, like I've said multiple times on this podcast, and I'm sure you already know it, if you don't take care of yourself, you won't be able to take care of anything or anyone else as effectively. I say that often in my line of work 
when I'm working with my patients and their parents, a lot of parents are stretched very thin, especially parents who are working multiple jobs and raising children. And I recognize that. I know what the struggle is like to an extent. I don't know everyone's struggle, but I know some of it. And what I say to my patients' parents who I realize are stretching themselves so thin that they're neglecting themselves, I say to them, if you're not able to take care of your child, who will? What will that look like? And I know that that is dire, that is like an extreme, but it is something to think about because when we're caught up in the stress of life, We don't really think about the effect that it is taking on our bodies. And if we don't make the time to take care of ourselves, our bodies will shut down and let us know, hey, I need some care. I will get sick on you. I will not be able to run on all cylinders. And so we need to continuously be checking in on ourselves and taking care of ourselves. Uh, Mental Health America is an organization, and on their website, they created a really good list that I liked a lot. And all of these things that I'm talking about today, the links will be available on the website. Um, But the reason why I liked their list is they broke their list up into two sections how to strike a balance at work, and how to strike a balance at home. And so on their list for at work, it's things like set manageable goals each day. And that's a really good one because sometimes we are so focused on the big picture that we forget about the little pieces that go together to make the big picture. So just focusing on today will help because it doesn't feel as overwhelming. You can just say, okay, today I want to be able to accomplish this little thing and this little thing, or these four little things. And that's a whole lot better than having to figure out the big picture right away. They also talk about making your time at work more efficient. And that's something that I have been actively working on doing for the past few months. It's been just under a year now. I've realized that if we can create systems in our day to make our job more streamlined, then we free up some time and we also reduce our stress. And what that looks like for you will be dependent on what your job is. But for instance, I'll give you an example. For me, I see a lot of people every day and for every person that I see, I have to create a report. And my reports are two to three pages long, right? What I have done to streamline my process is I created a template for my report. 
So that way, whenever I see someone, I can just plug in the information that is unique to that person, and I don't have to start over from scratch. It's the same thing with when I'm sitting down and talking with someone. I know the template in my head for what I need to accomplish so that I'm not figuring it out as I go along. The same thing applies to your job. If you could figure out how to make things more efficient, you'll reduce your stress. Another thing that they recommend at work is taking five or taking a break. And that's one thing that a lot of people tend to neglect doing. We just push and push and push ourselves to our limits. But you have to remember that you're a human being. You're not a robot. And human beings have needs. It's actually been proven that taking a break helps your brain to basically reset. It also helps your body to get rejuvenated. You're actually more effective if you take small breaks throughout the day than you are if you push yourself all the way through. And it's okay to take a break. If you have a boss who does not like the idea, then maybe you need to let them know that Dr. Tracy said that I need to take a break. But no, seriously, that would mean that you're in a toxic work environment if that's not something that is being allowed. Um, We need to be able to take care of our bodies. We are our number one priority. There are other things on that list that I think are really helpful, so I would encourage you to check that out. For the section on that list for at home, in terms of work-life balance, the top of the list is unplug. So no answering calls from work or emails from work. I have um, had instances where, not at my current job, but previously, I show up at work at 8 in the morning and have someone ask me if I saw their email when I said goodbye to them at 5.30 in the afternoon, the day before, and I had to tell them, well, no, when would I have seen your email? And then go to check my email and realize that that email was sent at 9 p.m. the night before or 11 p.m. or in some cases the wee hours of the morning, we have to establish boundaries. And this applies to everyone in our lives, literally everyone, because remember, you are your number one priority. You have to have boundaries when it comes to work and what their expectations are of you, as well as boundaries with the people in your personal life. They also talk about not overcommitting. It's very easy to take on something else, but if your plate is already full, then you're really going to struggle with being able to do everything effectively. Of course, on this list, there is taking care of your body and staying active. That is crucial, crucial, crucial 
Do not neglect your fruits and your vegetables. Make sure you're getting adequate sleep. Make sure you're getting good quality sleep because that matters. Make sure you're staying hydrated. I love the saying that we're like a house plant. We need water and sunlight. It's just that we have more complicated emotions. And I would not be doing my job as a psychologist if I did not include getting help if you need it. The thing is that mental health is part of this equation. If you're having a hard time with how you're feeling in your life, the experiences that you're going through, taking care of yourself and being able to have a balance may also include working with someone who can help you do that and can help you address the things that you're struggling most with. So I hope that this has been inspirational for you. I would encourage you to check out the links on the website for more information. Thank you for joining me today. You can check out the website at healthywealthyroots.org. Most of the episodes have additional resources on their very own page on the website. You can also follow me on Instagram at HealthyWealthyRoots as well as on Clubhouse at HWR. Remember, our future grows from Healthy Wealthy Roots. There's a lot that I did not know about credit cards that I want to share with you on the next episode. Things from interest rates and how they work, that's the basics and that's absolutely essential for financial health, but all the way to how they're designed and the appeal, as well as some of the good things like being able to use them for rewards and how rewards actually work. I'm going to give you the secrets to credit cards on the next episode. This podcast offers only a look at what I'm doing and is not meant to substitute the results you can get from working one-on-one with a professional.